Um, the podcast was really birthed out of uh, your request. Uh, if anybody knows, quick little side note here is is that um, I started the podcast because the people who attended said, hey, Pastor Isaac, can you save these recordings somewhere? Because I'd love to go back and reference them. And at first I didn't have any platform or any context to do it with. And so I said, you know what? Here's what I'll do. I'll start recording the audios and then I'll start posting the links. And then afterwards I just felt, hey, why don't I just make it a podcast? And so we turned that into a podcast. And that's how this read and rant that we do every morning became a podcast it was not planned at all it's just been the lord doing something every step of the way and now the podcast is at almost thirty thousand downloads y'all this is what we've been doing since the beginning we've come on here to simply engage you in the daily reading of the word we spend 20 to 30 minutes reading scripture and then we spend another 20 to 30 minutes reflecting on the scripture i call it a rant to keep the bar low because i don't have anything prepared i don't have anything planned um all i'm doing is is i'm reflecting on the scriptures as we go so uh it may be a discombobulated amalgamation of thoughts but it is spirit-led in that we're praying through these conversations or sorry through the discourse that we're having with god through the reading of the word we're praying into three questions the three questions that we're praying into is god what are you revealing concerning yourself god what are you revealing concerning people and god what are you revealing concerning me and so I hope that you learn to just navigate and engage through the totality of the scripture with those questions in mind. Um, I'm encouraged by you as well. I'm encouraged by all of you. I'm encouraged by your words. I'm encouraged uh, that you guys are even here and that you have committed this time. And I've heard so many stories of people being transformed by simply the daily discipline of reading the word. And so that's what we're going to do. This is the most important activity of my day. And you'll, if you do this for long enough, you're going to see that it's the most important activity for your day. And so we're going to be in Second Chronicles chapter 29. Second Chronicles chapter 29. And we're just going to pray that the Spirit of God uh, attend to us today as we engage with His Word. Father, I ask, Lord, that you would be with us today. Lord, as we read your Word, Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you would visit us, that you would encounter us right now in this moment. Lord, as we read your Word, Father, I pray, Lord, that we are not uh, simply inspired by uh, worldly wisdom, but Lord, that we would be led by your spirit and by your heart, that we'd receive godly wisdom, that we would be exhorted, that we would be corrected, that we would be convicted, that we would be encouraged, that we would be renewed and restored in your word. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's see where God goes today. Let's see where God goes today. Second Chronicles chapter 29, and I will read the first verse, and it says this, Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. 
he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them in the east square and said to them, hear me, Levites. Now sanctify yourselves, sanctify the house of God of your fathers and carry out the rubbish from the holy place. For our fathers have trespassed and done evil in the sight of the Lord our God. They have forsaken him have turned their faces away from the dwelling place of the Lord and turned their backs on him. They have also shut up the doors of the vestibule, put out the lamps and have burned incense and burned offerings in the holy place to the God of Israel. Therefore, the wrath of the Lord fell upon Judah and Jerusalem and he had given them up to trouble, to desolation and to jeering as you see with your eyes. For indeed, because of this, our fathers have fallen by the sword. And our sons, our daughters, and our wives are in captivity. Now it is in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel, that his fierce wrath may turn away from us. My sons, do not be negligent now, for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him, to serve him, that you should minister to him and burn incense. Then the Levites arose, Mahath, the son of Amasai, and Joel, the son of Azariah, the sons of the Kohathites, and the sons of Merari, Kish, the son of Abdi, and Azariah, the son of Jelalel, of the Gershonites, Joah, the son of Zima, and Eden, the son of Joah, and of the sons of Elizaphan, Shimri, and Jael, the sons of Asaph, Zechariah, and Methaniah, the sons of Haman, Hael, sorry, uh, Jael, and Shimei, and the sons of Jedathan, Shemaiah, sorry, and Uziel. And they gathered their brethren, sanctified themselves, and went according to the commandment of the king at the words of the Lord to cleanse the house of the Lord. And the priests went to the inner part of the house of the Lord to cleanse it, and brought out all the debris that they had found in the temple of the Lord to the court of the house of the Lord. And Levites took it out and carried it to Brook Kidron. Then they began to sanctify on the first day of the first month, and on the eighth day of the month they came to the vestibule of the Lord. So they sanctified the house of the Lord in eight days, and on the sixteenth day of the first month, they finished. Then they went to King Hezekiah and said, We have cleansed the house of the Lord and the burnt offerings with all the articles and the table of the showbread with all its articles. Moreover, all the articles of King Ahaz and his reign had cast aside in this transgression, which we have prepared and we have sanctified. And there they are before the altar of the Lord. Then King Hezekiah rose early gathered the rulers of the city and went up to the house of the Lord and they brought seven bulls, seven rams, seven lambs, and seven male goats for a sin offering for the kingdom, for the sanctuary, and for Judah. Then he commanded the priests, the sons of Aaron, to offer them on the altar of the Lord. So they killed the bulls and the priests, received the blood and sprinkled it on the altar. Likewise, they killed the rams and sprinkled the blood on the altar. They also killed the lambs and sprinkled the blood on the altar. And they brought out the male goats for a sin offering before the king and the assembly. And they laid their hands on them and the priests killed them. And they presented their blood on the altar as a sin offering to make an atonement for all Israel. And the king commanded that the burnt offering and the sin offering be made for all Israel. And he stationed the Levites in the house of the Lord with cymbals and stringed instruments and with harps, according to the commandment of David, of Gad, the, seat, the king's seer, and of Nathan, the prophet. For thus was the commandment of the Lord by his prophets. The Levites stood with the instruments of David and the priests with the trumpets. Then Hezekiah commanded them, 
to offer the burnt offering on the altar. And when the burnt offering began, the song of the Lord also began with the trumpets and with the instruments of David, king of Israel. So all the assembly worshipped, the singers sang, and the trumpeters sounded. All this continued until the burnt offering was finished. And when they had finished offering, the king and all who were present with him bowed and worshipped. Moreover, King Hezekiah and the leaders commanded the Levites to sing praise to the Lord with the words of David and Asaph the seer. So they sang praises with gladness, and they bowed their heads and worshipped. Then Hezekiah answered and said, Now that you have consecrated yourselves to the Lord, come near and bring sacrifices and thank offerings into the house of the Lord. So the assembly brought in sacrifices and thank offerings as many were of a willing heart brought burnt offerings, and the number of burnt offerings which the assembly brought was seventy bulls, one hundred rams, and two hundred lambs. All these were for a burnt offering to the Lord. The consecrated things were six hundred bulls and three hundred three thousand sheep, but the rest were too few, so that they could not skin all the burnt offerings. Therefore, their brethren, the Levites, helped them into, until the work was ended and until the other priests had sanctified themselves. For the Levites were more diligent in sanctifying themselves than the priests. Also, the burnt offerings were in abundance, and the fat of the peace offerings, and with the drink offerings for every burnt offering. So the service of the house of the Lord was set in order. Then Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced that God had prepared the people since the events took place so suddenly. Hmm. Interesting. Continuing on. And Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah, and also wrote letters to Ephraim and Manasseh, that they should come to the house of the Lord in Jerusalem to keep the Passover to the Lord God of Israel. For the king and his leaders and all the assembly in Jerusalem had agreed to keep the Passover in the second month, for they could not keep it at the regular time because a sufficient number of priests had not consecrated themselves, nor had the people gathered together in at Jerusalem. And the matter pleased the king and all the assembly. So they resolved to make a proclamation throughout all Israel, from Beersheba to Dan, that they should keep should come to keep the Passover of the Lord God of Israel at Jerusalem, since they had not done it for a long time in the prescribed manner. So the runners went throughout all Israel and Judah with the letters from the king and the leaders spoke according to the command of the king. Children of Israel, return to the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Then he will return to the remnant of you who have escaped from the hand of the kings of Assyria. And do not be like your fathers and your brethren who trespassed against the Lord God of their fathers so that he gave them up to desolation as you see. Now, do not be stiff-necked as your fathers were, for yield yourselves to the Lord and enter his sanctuary. Yet he has sanctified forever and served the Lord your God, that the fierceness of his wrath may turn away from you. For if you return to the Lord, your brethren and your children will be treated with compassion by those who led them captive." so they may come back to this land. For the Lord God is gracious and merciful and will not turn his face from you if you return to him. 
So the runners passed from city to city through the country of Ephraim and Manasseh as far as Zebulon. But they laughed at them and mocked to them. <clears throat> Nevertheless, some from Asher and Manasseh and Zebulon humbled themselves and came to Jerusalem. Also, the hand of God was on Judah to give them singleness of heart to obey the command of the king and the leaders at the word of the Lord. Now many people, a very great assembly, gathered at Jerusalem to keep the feast of the unleavened bread in the second month. They also arose and took away the altars that were in Jerusalem. They took away the incense altars and cast them into Brook Kidron. Then they slaughtered the Passover lambs on the 14th day of the second month. The priests and the Levites were ashamed and sanctified themselves and brought the burnt offerings to the house of the Lord. They stood in their place according to their custom, according to the law of Moses, the man of God. The priests sprinkled the blood received from the hand of the Levites. For there were many in the assembly who had not sanctified themselves. Therefore, the Levites had charge of the slaughter of the Passover lambs, for everyone was not clean to sanctify them to the Lord. For a multitude of the people, many from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, and Zebulon, had not cleansed themselves, yet they ate the Passover contrary to what was written. But Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, May the good Lord provide atonement for everyone. Hmm. May the good Lord provide atonement for everyone. Who prepares his heart to seek God, the Lord God of his fathers, though he is not cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary. And the Lord listened to Hezekiah and healed the people. So the children of Israel, who were present at Jerusalem, kept the feast of the unleavened bread seven days with great gladness. And the Levites and the priests praised the Lord day by day, singing to the Lord, accompanied by loud instruments. And Hezekiah gave encouragement to all the Levites who taught the good knowledge of the Lord. And they ate throughout the feast seven days, offering peace offerings and making confession to the Lord God of their fathers. Then the whole assembly agreed to keep the feast another seven days. And they kept it another seven days with gladness for Hezekiah king of Judah, gave to the assembly a thousand bulls and seven thousand sheep, and the leaders gave to the assembly a thousand bulls and ten thousand sheep, and a great number of priests sanctified themselves. The whole assembly of Judah rejoiced. Also the priests and the Levites, all the assembly that came from Israel, the sojourners who came from the land of Israel, and those who dwelt in Judah. There was a great joy in Jerusalem. For since the time of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, there had been nothing like this in Jerusalem. Then the priests, the Levites, arose and blessed the people, and their voice was heard, and their prayer came up from his holy dwelling place to heaven, or came up to his holy dwelling place to heaven. Chapter 31. Now, when all this was finished, all Israel who were present went out to the cities of Judah and broke the sacred pillars in pieces, cut down the wooden images and threw down the high places until they had utterly destroyed all of them. Then all the children of Israel returned to their own cities, every man to his possession. 
And Hezekiah appointed the divisions of priests and the Levites according to their divisions, each man according to his service, the priests and the Levites for burnt offerings and peace offerings to serve, to give thanks and to praise in the gates of the camp of the Lord. The king also appointed a portion of his possessions for burnt offerings for the morning and evening burnt offerings, the burnt offerings of the Sabbaths and the new moons and the set feasts, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Moreover, he commanded the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute support to the priests and the Levites, that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits of grain and wine, oil and honey, and all the produce of the field, and they brought in abundantly to tithe the tithe of everything. And the children of Israel brought a uh, sorry, and the children of Israel and Judah, who dwelt in the cities of Judah, brought the tithe of oxen and sheep, also the tithe of holy things, which were consecrated to the Lord their God. They laid in heap in heaps. In the third month they began laying them in heaps, and they finished in the seventh month. Then Hezekiah and the leaders came and saw the heaps. They blessed the Lord and his people Israel. Then Hezekiah questioned the priests and the Levites concerning the heats, heaps. And Azariah, the chief priest from the house of Zadok, answered him and said, Since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and plenty left. For the Lord has blessed his people, and what is left is this great abundance. Now Hezekiah commanded them to prepare rooms in the house of the Lord, and they prepared them. Then they faithfully brought in the offerings, the tithes, and the dedicated things. Kanonia, the Levite, had charge of them, and Shimei, his brother, was next. Jael, Azaziah, Nath, Asael, Jeremoth, Josabad, Eliel, Ismachiah, Mahath, Benaiah, were overseers over the hands or over the hand of Kanonia and Shimei, his brother at the commandment of Hezekiah the king and Azariah, the ruler of the house of God. Kor, the son of Imnon, the, Le the Levite, the keeper of the east gate, was over the freewill offerings of God to distribute the offerings of the Lord in the most holy things. And under him were Eden and Miniamim, Jeshua, Shemaiah, Amariah, Shechaniah, his faithful assistants in the cities of the priests to distribute the allotments to their brethren by divisions to the great, sorry, to the great as well as the small. Hmm. Besides those males from three years old and up were written in the genealogy they distribute to everyone who entered the house of the Lord, his daily portion for work of his service by his division and to the priests who were written in the genealogy according to their father's house and to the Levites from 20 years old and up according to their work by their divisions and to all who were written in the genealogy, their little ones and their wives, their sons and daughters, the whole company of them, for in their faithfulness they sanctify themselves in holiness. Also, for the sons of Aaron the priests, who were in the fields of the common lands of the cities, in every single city, there were men who were designated by name to distribute the portions to all the males among the priests, to all who were listed by genealogies among the Levites. Thus Hezekiah did throughout all Judah, and he did what was good and right and true 
before the Lord his God. And in every work he began in the service of the house of God, in the law and in commandment, to seek his God. He did it with all his heart, and so he prospered. And so he prospered. I'm going to stop here. Um, Or maybe, you know what? Let me continue reading because we'll finish off with Hezekiah. And then I have a few thoughts that have come to me that I'd like to, to share in our time together. Chapter 32, verse 1, it says, After these deeds of faithfulness, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and entered Judah. He encamped against the fortified cities, thinking to win them over to himself. And then Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and that he purposed, that, that his purpose was to make war against Jerusalem. He consulted with his leaders and commanders to stop the water from the springs that were outside the city, and they helped him. Thus many people gathered together who stopped all the springs in the brook that ran through the land, saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? And he strengthened himself, built up the wall that was broken, and raised it up to the towers, and built another wall outside, and he repaired the Milo in the city of David, and made weapons and shields in abundance. Then he set military captains over the people, gathered them together to him in the open square of the city gate, and gave them encouragement, saying, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed before the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitude that is with him, for there are more of us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. After this, and a cherub king of Assyria sent his servants to Jerusalem. But he and all the forces with him laid siege against Lachish, to Hezekiah, king of Judah, and to all of Judah who were in Jerusalem, saying, Thus says Sennacherib, king of Assyria, In what do you trust that you remain under siege in Jerusalem? Does not Hezekiah persuade you to give yourselves over to die by famine and thirst, saying, The Lord our God will deliver us from the hand of the king of Assyria? Has this not the same? Is this not the same? Hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars and commanded Judah and Jerusalem, saying, You shall not worship before one altar and burn incense on it? Do you not know that? Sorry, do you not know what I and my fathers have done to all the people of other lands? Were the gods of the nations of those lands in any way able to deliver, to deliver their lands out of my hand? Who was there among all gods, whose nations that my fathers utterly destroyed, that could deliver his people from my hand, that your God should be able to deliver you from my hand? Now, therefore, do not let Hezekiah deceive you or persuade you like this. And do not believe him, for no god of any nation or kingdom was able to deliver his people from my hand or the hand of my fathers. Much less will your God deliver you from my hand. Furthermore, his servant spoke against the Lord God and against his servant Hezekiah. He also wrote letters to revile the Lord God of Israel and to speak against him, saying, As the gods of the nations of the other lands 
have not delivered their people from my hand, so the God of Hezekiah will not deliver his people from my hand. Then they called out with a loud voice in Hebrew to the people of Jerusalem who were on the wall to frighten them and trouble them that they may take the city. And they spoke against the God of Jerusalem and against the gods of the people of the earth to work a Sorry, against the gods of the people of the work of the earth, the work of men's hands. Now, because of this, King Hezekiah and the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, prayed and cried out to heaven. And the Lord sent an angel who cut down every mighty man of valor, leader and captain in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned shamefaced to his own land. And when he had gone into the temple of his God, some of his own offspring struck him down with the sword there. Thus the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and from the hand of all others, and guided them on every side. And many brought gifts to the Lord of Jerusalem and presents to Hezekiah, king of Judah, so that he was exalted in the sight of the nations after in those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death, and he prayed to the Lord, and he spoke to him, saying, Give him a sign. But Hezekiah did not repay according to the favor shown him, for his heart was lifted up. Therefore, the wrath was looming over him and over Judah and Jerusalem. Then Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of God did not come upon the days of Hezekiah. Hezekiah had very great riches and honor, and he made himself treasuries for silver, for gold, for precious stones, for spices, for shields, and for all kinds of desirable items, storehouses for the harvest of grain, wine, and oil, and stalls for all kinds of livestock, and folds for flocks. Moreover, he provided cities for himself, and possessions of flocks and herds in abundance, for God had given him very much property. This same Hezekiah, also stopped the water outlet at the upper Gihon and brought the water by tunnel to the west side of the city of David. Hezekiah prospered in all his works. However, regarding the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, whom they sent to him to inquire about the wonder that he was that he that was done in the land, God withdrew from him in order to test him that he might know all that was in his heart. Now, the rest of the acts of Hezekiah, all his goodness, indeed, they are written in the vision of Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amos, and in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. So Hezekiah rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the upper tombs of the sons of David. And all of Judah and in the inhabitants of Jerusalem honored him at his death. Then Manasseh, his son, reigned in his place. Thank you for the badges. God bless you guys. God bless all of you. Um, if you are jumping in right now, you're eavesdropping on a conversation that we're having with God through the reading of the word. We do this every morning. The read and rant is our time where we read scripture and we ask to hear from God and hear what God has to say in the moment. And the three questions that we ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? God, what are you revealing concerning people? And God, what are you revealing concerning me? There are many thoughts that I have about this particular portion of text. I could have stopped in the first chapter that we read. Um, but I continue to read on since we want to kind of cover Hezekiah. 
We've been going from king to king to king to king. And as we've spoken about before, and if you want, go ahead and catch it later, catch it on Patreon or catch it on the Read and Rant podcast. Uh, we've been talking about uh, this genealogy. Right? We, we've seen the genealogy of the northern kings of Israel and the genealogy of the southern kings of Judah. And yet we see the covenant of God that is uh, progressing uh, through a thread through the southern kings of Judah. Hezekiah plays a part in the story as well. Hezekiah, for many, are, is famous. He's famous for being the king that prayed on the wall. Do y'all remember that? Hezekiah is famous for being the king who was told that he would die and that um, that he would die and he prayed and the Lord added years to his life. Um, we always know that story and that story has been preached multiple times, many times in the scriptures. And for many, the question that people ask is, is that did God or did Hezekiah change God's mind? The will of God is always a weird thing. It's a funny thing for many people because we want to have discourse with God. But then the question is, well, did God change his mind or has God changed his mind? Um, uh, when people see the story of Hezekiah, uh, the question that people ask is, is that, you know, does God, does God change his mind? Can we, can we change God's mind? Can we change God's heart? Uh, and I find that interesting that that's the first thing that we lean towards when we read the story of Hezekiah's prayer. We actually went, we're going through a series right now at the font, which is our online community. And our series is called Prayer Works. I'm actually looking forward to preaching on the prayer of Habakkuk for Sunday. Um, so if you have a chance, come and join us. But uh, we've been now we've been journeying the entire year on uh, prayer, just the subject and the topic of prayer. And one of the famous prayers is the prayer of Habakkuk, where Habakkuk puts his face on the wall and he confronts God. And, and, and it would seem that God has added years to his life. And for many people, the question is, is, well, did, you know, did Habakkuk's prayer change God's mind? It's the thing that confounds people as it pertains to God's will is, did Habakkuk change? Sorry, not Habakkuk, but did, um, Hezekiah, did he change God's mind? Um, and often because we read it just from that perspective, we don't get to read the totality of the story in the text of Hezekiah, of King Hezekiah. What we've learned so far from what we've read is that Hezekiah is a brilliant man. And we can see that Hezekiah does stand apart from many of the kings because Hezekiah has, has, has brought uh, justice and the law of God back to Israel. He's cleansed the temple. He's participated in the cleansing of the temple and he's reinstituted the, the rhythms of the children of Israel to bring them back into a place of distinction, back to a place of holiness. And so Hezekiah has done much in contributing to bringing the righteousness and the justice of God back to the children of Israel. We see a remnant uh, not maybe not a remnant, but but a foreshadow of what the kingdom of God looks like in the um, in the early years of Hezekiah's 
rule. We see Hezekiah reestablishing justice. We see um, we see some cutting edge things that pertain to the justice of God. Uh, we see a welfare system that's being established. Um, we see a welfare system that's being established through the religious institution, through the priests and the Levites. We see that, and again, guys, this is this is so different, right, than how others ruled in that time. There weren't welfare systems as we would see. Uh, this was some cutting edge stuff that we see from the children of Israel. And yet Hezekiah now has brought that back in simply the obedience to the law of God. And in the obedience to the law of God, we see this this this, this image, this pointing to, this 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 symbol of of what the kingdom of God would look like. This is uh, in very in many ways a foreshadow. Right? It's a foreshadow uh, of the kingdom of God. And so we see all of that. And there's some beautiful things there that we can talk about. But I kind of want to stick here for a minute as we talk about prayer because we see a turn of events. We see Hezekiah facing defeat. And upon facing uh, um, defeat, he's facing uh, an enemy. And the enemy seems to be an enemy that seems to be undefeated. Even though Hezekiah sent words of encouragement to the children of Israel, the words of the enemy were very strong. And it brought doubt into the children. It brought doubt into uh, the children of Israel. It brought doubt into the people of God. And so Hezekiah now feels in many ways that not only is he losing his hand with the people of God, but he's brought, he's bringing into question whether or not he can truly overcome. We see this in the story as we have read in, in the book of Kings. But now that we're in Chronicles, what the author of Chronicles does is he provides us insight that we know from the book of Kings that Sennacherib didn't even get to fight the battle because an angel came in and destroyed the entire army of Sennacherib. Sennacherib goes back and upon worshiping his God, Sennacherib is killed by his own children. And so now he's won. He's been victorious. And and and, and the result is victorious. Look what it says um, in the text. Uh, he's victorious. And the scriptures tell us, I don't know why my iPad just did this to me. I don't know why I just did it, but I'm going to open up the physical Bible. Because I want to read it exactly how it's said. And if we look at Second Chronicles chapter 32, is they're victorious. But then in chapter 32, look what it says. Hold on one second. In chapter 32, we see Sennacherib's defeat. And upon Sennacherib's defeat, Hezekiah is exalted. In verse 22, chapter 32, verse 22, it says, Thus the Lord saved Hezekiah. Remember, this is all God at the end of the day. Hezekiah's victory had nothing to do with him. Thus the Lord saved Hezekiah and his inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and from the hand of all others and guided them on every side. And notice what happens next in verse 23. And many brought gifts to the Lord at Jerusalem and presents to Hezekiah, king of Judah, so that he was exalted in the sight of all nations thereafter. Problem number one. Hezekiah is victorious, and yet his success has little to do with him. It has almost nothing to do with him. His success and his victory over the Assyrian king 
was all God. God came into the Assyrian camp. God killed all the warriors who were who were coming against them, who had held the people at siege, under siege. God brought the angel. Hezekiah was the one who woke up. Sorry, not Hezekiah, but Sennacherib was the one who woke up. And upon waking up, finding all his soldiers dead, Sennacherib was the one who went back to Nineveh. And upon going back, Sennacherib, in worshiping, was killed by his own children. This was nothing that Hezekiah did. This was all that God had done. When we see Hezekiah bringing the children back to God, back to obedience and servitude to God, notice what happens. We begin to see prosperity simply through the systems of generosity that he has established, simply through the obedience of the law of God, simply through obeying and, and receiving the law that was given to, to Moses and passed down from generation to generation that hadn't been obeyed, hadn't been established, and now he's reestablishing it. And upon reestablishing it, we see now prosperity in Israel. None of this had to do with Hezekiah other than his submission to God. His submission to God and his submission to his will, God fought on his behalf. You know, it's funny how there are many successes in our lives that we have overcome, many battles that we have overcome in our lives, many challenges that we've overcome in our lives. If we really go back and look at it, we'd come to realization that it had very little to do with us. Because the very thing that we're being confronted with was way bigger than anything we could have ever overcome. The thing that we were confronting, the battle that we were facing, the challenge that was before us, superseded our capacity, superseded our ability, superseded our intelligence, superseded our facilities, and yet somehow we overcame it. Isn't it funny how some of the destiny things that happen in our lives, the things that, that God steps us into, have very little to do with us simply by the grace of God we've gotten there. There are many of us here that have experienced incredible success. There are those of you who are on the chat who have seen great success in your career, in your marriage. You've seen your children prosper. You've seen your home prosper. You've seen your city prosper. You've seen your business prosper. You're seeing your family prosper. And yet if you really look back at it, it's got very little to do with you. It was never about you. It was about the grace of God through you. God gave you grace to, to, to be able to enjoy the blessings that he's given you. And yet here we see Hezekiah who's enjoying the blessings of God simply in his submission to God because it was never about him, but it was about God in him and through him. This was about the glory of God, not in the magnifying of his brand or in the magnifying of his name. And yet the scripture tells us, if we go back to chapter 32, the scripture tells us that Hezekiah, that, sorry, not 32, but in verse 23, that many brought gifts to the Lord at Jerusalem and they brought gifts to Hezekiah, the king of Judah, so that he was exalted in the sight of all nations afterward. Let me speak on this for a moment. Let me speak on this real quick because I think we need to, we need to, let me slow down for a second. Your success has nothing to do with you. We live in a world today 
where we credit our success to our hard work. We credit our success to our ability, our talent, our intelligence. Yet there are people who work just as hard as us who don't achieve the success that we have. There are those who are just as intelligent as we are who don't achieve the success that we have. There are those who have all the facilities that we have and yet we have experienced success and yet we want to give ourselves credit for it. How about this? That your success has very little to do with your ability, but has everything to do with God writing a story through you. It's the grace of God that has brought you to where you are. And it's going to be the grace of God that sustains you moving forward. It's not about you. It was never about you. But we live in a culture and a society today that wants to credit success with hard work, that wants to credit success with ability, that wants to credit success not realizing that things had to line up a certain way that had nothing to do with your capacity, nothing to do with your ability, had everything to do with what God was doing in that moment. Isn't it funny how we quickly want to give God credit for our successes? Sorry, let me back that up. Isn't it funny how we quickly want to take credit for our successes and not give God any credit for it, but then we question God about our failures? Isn't it funny how egocentric we can be when we come before God? That, oh, we'll own all the things we do. It's it's me. I did this. But then when it doesn't go right, we ask God and we fault Him for our failures. And yet, You don't get credit for your success. God gets all the credit for it. But this is the thing that really gets me on this. Is that even though God gives you the credit for your success, people have a tendency to credit you for your success. Pay very close attention here, family. This is so critically important. That if your success has nothing to do with you, it doesn't change the reality that many will still give you credit for your success. They're going to ask you, what were the things you did? How did you get to where you are? People will be quick to praise you and celebrate you for your success because they cannot see the God through you. Only you know what God has done in your life. Only you know how God got you there. Only you know how God put you in position. Only you know the grace of God that was over your life. So the responsibility that you have, family, is you have a responsibility to use your success to point people to God. Family, people will give you People will give you credit for your success. They'll see everything you've accomplished. People have a tendency to simply see you, but not see see all the things that happened in the background to get you there. Not seeing how God has worked through you, not seeing the grace of God through you. So when people credit you for your success, you have a responsibility to point people who look at you to the God who gave you the success in the first place. But unfortunately, what Hezekiah exposes 
is the tendency that we have to take all the accolades, to take all the praises, to take it all in for ourselves. And it's easy to get drunk off of the accolades of people. It's easy to get drunk off of uh, the likes. It's easy to, 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 to get all hopped up and high off of the followers you have on Instagram and TikTok. It's easy to get all uppity about how many people follow you and how many views you get and how many people have subscribed to your channel. It's easy to get all hopped up not realizing you were nothing before. And yet it was the grace of God through the creativity that he's given you to allow you to be used by him. So when people want to glorify you, your responsibility is to glorify him. Ah, but no, no, that's not what we do. Our tendency is to stop feeling ourselves. Oh, we stop feeling ourselves. Oh, Hezekiah was exalted in the sight of all nations. Look at the verse says, Hezekiah was exalted in the sight of all nations thereafter. Man, Hezekiah is hopped up off the praise. He's hopped up off the glory. This is the danger of receiving praise from people. I always said this is I've learned just even a little bit, just a side note, family. If people want to celebrate you, quickly get out the way because man that slope is slippery and that slope is steep let me say that again the moment that people want to praise you they want to lift you up they want to celebrate you quickly get out of the way because that slope is slippery and that slope is steep because you can quickly take a little bit and next thing you know, you find yourself sliding all the way down to I did it all myself. This was my gift. This was my ability. This was my talent. This is my voice. This is what I got. And next thing you know, you're feeling yourself way more than you should. And next thing you know, you find yourself living a life that doesn't depend on God what simply depends on your talent. And then you wonder why you're insecure when you're on platforms. Because you're afraid now that if you don't get the likes, and if you don't get the posts, and if you don't get the views, that now something must be wrong with you because that's what you're holding on to. And yet you had nothing before you got here. You had no views. You had no, no ability, no talent, no accolade, nothing. And so if you got here, it was God that got you here. And yet, if you were okay before your success, you should be okay if you don't have it now. I don't stress. But that ain't Hezekiah, though. No. Hezekiah was exalted, and Hezekiah started to feel himself. And the thing that I think we forget about Hezekiah's prayer and I spent a little bit of time on that when we preached the series is we make the story of Hezekiah praying at the wall a story of God changing his mind. When this was never about the will of God, it was never about God changing his mind. The actual scripture tells us and gives us more detail in 2 Chronicles chapter 32. 
that this is not about God changing his mind. This is about God changing Hezekiah's mind. This is about Hezekiah who was feeling himself way too much. And all of a sudden, he has a sickness that's near death. And the verse says in verse 24, and he prayed to the Lord and he spoke to him and gave him a sign. But Hezekiah did not repay according to the favor shown him for his heart was lifted up. Literally, it says he was prideful and therefore wrath was looming over him and over Judah and Jerusalem. Hezekiah was feeling himself and all of a sudden Hezekiah was afflicted with illness. Side note, family, what if I told you that some of the pain that you're experiencing, some of the strife is actually a gift from God? In the same way, Hezekiah's death sentence brought him close to God, the gift of your suffering is that you've been given the opportunity now to humble yourself and to come before him. I would rather be sick and have God than be healthy and be without him. Hezekiah has lost him and doesn't see it. And it took a sickness for him to, in verse 26, humble himself for the pride of his heart, he and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord did not come upon them. This was never about God changing his mind. This was always about Hezekiah changing his heart. And so when God came before him, sorry, when he came before God, and put his face on the wall, Hezekiah realized in that in the midst of his suffering and his pain and his sickness and this death sentence, Hezekiah came to recollection that he wasn't the guy that God started with. Family, are you the person that God started with? Were you the person who chased after him and sought after him in everything? Were you the person who depended on him in everything? Were you, are you, were you the person who you had no resource, no energy, no time, no effort, nothing, and yet the Lord got you through and you just lived a life of continual dependence on him? Were you that person? And are you that person today? Or are you a little bit more comfortable? Got a little bit more money? You know, you've got some accolades and now you don't feel like you need to pray like you used to. You don't feel like you need to reach out to God like you used to. You're not as inclined to seek after him. Anybody here can testify that the times that they prayed the most were the times that they were in pain the most. And some people will testify that it was in my time of suffering and lack that man, I felt close to God. Maybe we have to look back and see that often the seasons of pain that we encounter are actually seasons of humility for us to enter back into the presence of God. 
and to seek after him. So family, maybe we need to come before God. And maybe we're being tried in this season to be refined. And maybe, just maybe, we can get close to God again. And then we'll learn how to remain close to him in our times of discomfort and in our times of comfort, in our times of trial and in our times of success. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. Oh, in the same way we read about Hezekiah, so much to celebrate about him, so much to celebrate about what he accomplished, so much to celebrate about his ingenuity, his brilliance, his intelligence, so much to celebrate about him. And yet so many things, Lord, to be mindful of, that even in the midst of his brilliance and his ingenuity, Lord, teach us, Lord, to also see what happens when we lose our humility. Father, I ask right now that for those of us who may be in that season where Hezekiah found himself sick and near death, and maybe we find ourselves in a near-death situation, be it physically, emotionally, psychologically, financially, spiritually, finding ourselves in a near-death situation, Father, may we humble ourselves again. May we humble ourselves before you. May we seek your face, turn from our wicked ways, so that you can heal our land. Bless us today, Lord, as we engage in this day, Lord. Bless us as we navigate through this day, Lord. Let us be reminded, Lord, that even though you've given us gifts, Lord, let us learn to glorify you in all of it and all things to give you glory and not to be too hopped up by the things, Lord, that the world wants to present before us. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys, family. I love you all. I'm glad we were able to get this going again. Um, I want to thank all of you, all the patrons who support. Thank you so much. Um, actually, hold on a second. Let's see if I can find this. Um, I also have a number. It's a ministry number. Um, ooh, hopefully I can pull it up. Goodness gracious. It's a, it's a ministry number um, that you guys can text. I, I want to start um, texting through it. Um, it's a public number that I have. You know what? I'll put it on my IG. I'll post it on my IG. You'll probably see it as well on my IG profile. I don't know if I put it on my TikTok, but be sure to text it so that way I can, you know, we can stay in touch and that you guys can get updates um, on everything. Um, I do want to just thank you all. I know that my patrons tend to get the updates right away. Um, you don't have IG? Okay. Uh, I'm trying to think for a moment. You know what? I will... Firm Mama, you you are a patron, are you not? I'll, I'll post it on Patreon as well. If you if you click the link in the bio, it's a new number, and I just had it connected with my phone. And oh goodness gracious, I should have had this number out. But I will post it on IG, and I'll post it on Patreon as well, um, so that all my patrons can get it. That way, we can stay in touch and stay in contact, and I can send you text updates. Like there's some days that are coming up that I may not be able to be here for uh, um, you're going to get 30,000 texts <laughs> it's all good I, I definitely want to use it as a, as a means to like 
connect with you all and to give you guys updates as we go. Um, and so uh, if I have any announcements, if let's say there's a change in the time or the date for our um, you know, Bible studies or if there's a change in time for, um, um, for our reading rants, you know, if I'm on a trip or if I got something going on that day, I don't want to leave you guys hanging, especially those of you who are on, on TikTok. Who we, that's the only way we communicate is through live. And, you know, I mean, I could post a video, but that doesn't necessarily get to you either. Um, and so um, I, I want to just make sure that, you know, you guys get those updates and we can stay in touch and stay connected. Um, but for those of you who are patrons, I want to, how do you rewatch this? So you can't rewatch this. Um, it will be available for to rewatch, but um, it will be available on the Read and Rant podcast. So you'll get the audio of this. Um, now, the audio probably will come out sometime in December because we post every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday while we do our Read and Rants every day. So because we post every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, um, there's a delay. But if you are a patron, this is just a bonus. Um, uh, just for those who will support on Patreon, I post this right away. I post the audio right away on Patreon. So that way you guys get it right away. And I like Patreon because it's a smaller community and I can stay in, in touch with you guys a little bit better. But I want to thank all the patrons who support. I know, you know, for some of you, $10 a month is a big deal. It's a big sacrifice. Some of you had to give up some subscriptions to do it. Thank you so much. That's the reason why I press so hard to do the Bible studies on Patreon and to really commit to you because of how much you've invested in what we do here. Um, but, um, but yeah, so I, I want to encourage you if you are interested in becoming a patron and supporting some of you support with 10 and that's a big deal. Some of you $10, is not that big of a deal. It's a big deal. Okay. It's a big deal regardless. And I thank each and every one of you who support. Some of you support with more than that, but you can become a patron by simply clicking the link in the bio. Okay. Great. I'm so glad that you say that it's worth it. I really, I appreciate that. Um, I want to put a lot of energy and effort into the Bible studies that we do there to make sure that you're being taught well. Um, but yeah, you can become a patron if you go to the link in the bio and just click become a patron and you can be part of the Patreon. And once you become a patron, you can uh, you'll you'll get these episodes right away. You'll get uh, um, also. I'll be posting new content as well. I believe I posted the link also to the Bible study notes. I will be posting more links to the Bible study notes as well. But guys, just the commitment for $10 changes everything. It really does. It changes everything. It allows me the capacity to be able to commit the three hours that I commit every day to creating content and to doing these uh, read and rants with you all. And it gives me the capacity to start thinking about books and content and other things to prepare for you guys so that we can continue pressing forward. And so you guys, by the way, are a blessing to others by this as well, because your giving, your, your support of what we do here provides me the facility to be able to give this content out to other people. 